welcome to the show. What the Pope is going on here? Papal puffer pick leaves people perplexed. There he is, Pope Francis, giving it the full E17. Wow. Stay another day. Nice. But guess wow. what? It's not him. It's a deep fake photo. I mean, it doesn't look quite in proportion. Well, it does from a puffer jacket point of view. That's His what puffer jacket. Tiny. But that's what your head looks like when you got a puffer not jacket that, on. Not that ridiculously. Oh, I think so. I think so. Pope Francis did not show off his drip in a white puffer jacket, despite an artificial intelligence-generated image that went viral on Twitter over the weekend. A couple of pals of mine have a podcast, a very, 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 very successful, like globally successful, like, I mean, you know, gazillions of dollars successful. And it's brilliant. It's a good one. It's good for the world. And they introduce their podcast, as they always do on a, a Monday, whenever they do their podcast. They do a pop-up. So one of the guys is a regular podcast. I'll, I'll tell you, it's Rich, Rich Roll. Rich Roll and his friend Adam, Adam Skolnick. So um, now and again, they pop up for what's called a roll-on, because um, it's it's Rich's name, Rich Roll, roll-on. And and basically, you know, they jive and they riff and it's cool. I love it. It's, it's, it's actually... It's one of my. It is probably my favorite podcast, um, and they do it. They do it sort of every two or three weeks when they feel like it, um, and then Rich does his regular podcast, and it drops every Thursday night, Friday morning, which is awesome. I mean, Zach Braff is uh, our, his last guest. Zach came on this show, and we talked about Rich. Uh, and his podcast, because Zach was a huge fan of Rich's podcast. And I said, you should go on. He said, he wouldn't want me on that. And then Rich asked us to send a clip of that conversation to him. And um, and Rich's guest this week is Zach Braff, because of that comment, which is lovely, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, back to roll on. So they introduced their podcast today, and it was six or seven minutes in. You know, and I thought they don't sound as excited as usual. You know, because you you, we all have that kind of thing. How they, what kind of mood? Like people listen to this show, or you know, you 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 coming in and you seeing what kind of mood I'm in, and blah blah blah, and vice versa. And that's how life is, isn't it? Whether you go home, whether you going home to your family, the kids coming from school, or whatever. Oh, you meet your mates in the pub for a drink. Oh, what kind of night we're going to have? And you sort of they call it nunchi. I think it's called nunchi, isn't it? It's a Korean kind of um, observation. It's, you nunchy the room is what you do. Um, and I was nunching this podcast. I thought, hmm. Anyway, it wasn't them. It was their AI versions. <gasps> and it was the whole the whole point of the, the roll-on was AI. And um, it, you, you, I, I couldn't tell it was AI, but I, something was off. I thought, oh, it seems a bit flat today. They seem a bit flat today. And it was a bit flat. And they say... That's the bit that's missing from from ChatGPT's uh, vocal or, or, or you know because this is all there now. It's all there now. Um, but the second they fix that, which will be in about well, it'll be like an hour ago because yeah, things done. are moving that quickly. Then you won't be able to tell. And um, they didn't even they didn't even decide what they were going to say. They put into ChatGPT four. We we do a podcast. Um, these are our names. This kind of thing we talk about. And that's all they put in. And the, and then they came up with a seven minute intro. Um, between the two of them with a bit of banter as well. And the whole episode was about AI. <laughs> so, 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 so deep fake in this photograph, it's the first of many. I mean, this is where we're going with all this. So what the heck news companies, um, news organisations are going to do with front pages or, you know, or, or news stories. And that's very much what Rabbit Hole's about, which is the, the show that Charles Dance was on to talk about yesterday, the new Kiefer Sutherland vehicle, um, which was uh, off the charts. And they are talking about, you know, there's lots of different theories, aren't there, about what's going on? Um, you know, and you have AI, artificial intelligence, but we are, you know, if AI had to categorize us, we'd be HI, we'd be human intelligence, you know, and were we're, were we a creation? 
of something or someone. Are we an experiment? Are we somebody else's experiment? Is AI pulling a fast one on us? Has AI always existed? Are we its its creation? You know, and this thing that we talked about yesterday about the fact that um, humans are separate from other animals, even though they're animal, animal, vegetable, mineral, because we are given imagination. Yes, we are given the power of speech, not just making sounds, but actual linguistics, and we are given memory. And that those three significant sort of temples, those those pillars, that the holy trinity of superpowers that we're given separates us from all other species. However, what are we doing now with all that intelligence and all that memory and all that language? So the first thing we're doing, well, the first thing we've done is we're dealing ourselves out of the need for memory because we can Google everything. So we don't, we, we were actually saying, here's, here's, here's how we sort of un, untack our superpower. Uh, what's the next thing? Imagination. Well, ChatGPT4 does that. You, you ask it to do anything and it will do it. You know, and as far as language is concerned, well, most people don't talk anymore. They, you know, even when we're here, if there's a guest outside and we need them to come in, um, some, whoever's producing the show texts whoever's with the guest and then they bring the guest in and nothing's said. So we're actually now figuring out ways of, of us not needing the three superpowers that we were given to make us separate from everything else. I mean, therein lies the irony. Mm -hmm. By the way, I've got to tell you now, the first 47 minutes of this show, not AI. Can you tell? <laughs> Except my bit. AI at the moment. Well, I, by I the can... way, you'll be the first to go, you know. Yeah, that, of course you? I will. Yeah. Um, AI at the moment is... Um, Alex I, I have, I Alexander fact, Intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's doing coursework. It's do, so what you say is do, do this A-level coursework for me and it'll do it. And then you can just run it through chat GPT and say, did you write this? And it will say yes. But you can say, and then you could, there's another one that yep. you can say, make sure that nobody knows that this is AI written and, and it will do that. Yep. And then nobody can tell that it's AI written and that's just, that's A-level coursework. Yeah, that that's, is, you know, all university coursework. Chat GPT 3.0. Since then, there's 3.5. And as of last week, there's 4.0. Mm. So we're way ahead of that already. And, and you know, how clever is this stuff? If you haven't heard the show before, um, then you can open your fridge uh, with your phone. Not you can't open your fridge. With you probably can if you've got that kind of fridge. But you open your fridge, then you take your phone out and you take a photograph of your fridge and say, chat GPT, recipes, please. And from a photograph of your, what's in your fridge, it will give you, all, give you 10 recipes from what's in your fridge, 20 recipes from what's in your fridge, 100 recipes from what's in your fridge, just from the picture. That's handy. It is handy and it's brilliant. You know, and I wonder where it's going to go. And we did, we did we fear the wheel? You know, do you know, do you know, do you know that um, Plato argued against the alphabet because <laughs> because he said this is the end of civilization. The alphabet. Yeah, because that was so advanced at the time. Somebody invented this category where everybody could write down what they wanted other people to know and other people could read it. That's AI. It's just a very, very early version of it. And Plato was dead against it. He said, this is the beginning of the end for us. No, 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 no. We, this, we've, we've been given language. We've been given memory and we've been given the, um, the chance to create with our imagination. Don't write any of this down. Dan, that's not part of the plan. And he, maybe he was right. <laughs> Interesting though, isn't it? Yes. Fascinating. This is all from the story today, which you have to have a look at, which is the Pope, um, papal puffer pick, leaving people perplexed. Rachel thinks it's so, it's such, it's so obviously a fake because the Pope's head is so small. Pope Francis does have a particularly small head. I've got to point that out to oh, you. Okay. Some people do, you know, and I think if he had, I think if people can deep fake it this well, they're not going to get the dimensions wrong, the proportions wrong. I don't think so. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he has got a small head. I, I don't think that looks fake at all. I don't think it... I think that's what he would look like if he had that E17 puffer jacket on. He doesn't have it on, by the way. Um, we've got a text about it. Somebody who works for him. We have a text about this. Nobody, no other radio show has got a text about this from somebody who works for the Pope. Hi, Chris. I write concerning the photo of the Pope, which has gone viral. I'm glad that my boss is getting noticed. But if he's got one of those, I want one of those too. Reverend Martin in Staffordshire. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's great. Uh, Morrison unveils two new cheesy Easter eggs. Okay, not cheesy as much as sort of the, the kitsch. Um, but this is, um, they look like white chocolate. They're cheese. Oh, what type of cheese? <laughs> That's fun. Now you say what type of cheese. I Immediately I go, why haven't they done this before? Mm. You know, by the way, brilliant they've done it now. But if, you're in, if your job is confection, this is, I mean, say, say we were given the job of like, okay, come up with some alternative Easter eggs. Give us 10 minutes yeah. and a pint of shandy. And one shot. <laughs> We'd be all over it. Wouldn't we? Yeah. Buttery straight. I mean, you could do just off you go. Yeah. Boom. I don't like having chocolate anymore at night. Well, no, I do. But I don't have it because it makes my throat gargly in the morning. Usually around now. And I haven't got a gargly throat because I didn't have any chocolate last night. So, um, but, I, but I do, I think, oh, I'll have a bit of cheese. But cheese and chocolate, I mean, if you close your eyes, mm. you know, on your tongue. Similar joy. Very similar, isn't it? Yeah. It's all the dairy thing. I wonder, I wonder where chocolate turns left and cheese turns right and which bridge they could meet on and get back together again. It's the sort of sweet savoury thing. Yeah, I don't it? know, I don't know. But it's, it's sort of very, obviously it's very dairy. Do you think they go well together? Because uh, I've never, you never had cheesy chocolate. But like a, a cheese. There's your next Easter egg. There's yeah, your perfect. next Easter egg. Well done, So it's half us. cheese and it's half chocolate. Nice. Yeah, and you've got that whole sort of Terry's, Terry's half and half. What was that called? Did, remember the Terry's chocolate, which was day and night? Oh, double decker. No. <laughs> no. Yes. Not, no. no. That was, yes. No. no. <laughs> it was a box of chocolates. It was called Terry's Moonlight, is what it's called. And it, half of them were white and half of them were dark. Nice. You could get that going on. Who wouldn't want to change the chocolate? By the way, they're both big and mature, mm. don't they? You're welcome. Um, what else is going on? Uh, there's loads going on today. I'm, just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the two guys from Blackburn, the two brothers, who are putting in a bid for Subway, a bid of £8 billion. How much was your last Subway? <laughs> Subway has a very particular aroma. I've never been inside we, a Subway. I've never, in, been, I've never stepped over the threshold of a Subway shop. And there's one in Marlow. Sorry. <laughs> in Barcelona on Sunday, yeah. walking up to the, the Sagra Familia, the amazing oh, Gaudi yeah. Cathedral, and just in front of it, well, we were stood facing it, and there was four of us, and we all went... <sighs> Where's the subway? And it was right behind us. There is such a particular aroma that comes out of a subway. I didn't know that. I had no idea. There's I a had, smell of a subway. I had no idea it's a good about smell. That. So Felix says, um, you know, by the way, thank you, Felix, for pulling this down from Richard's podcast with his pal, Adam Skolnick. And Felix, can I, I don't, you know, I'm going to say what I said before. Is that all right? Okay. Felix, you can, you can tell, you can tell it's AI. I said, no, but I just told you it was AI. It's like, you know, but I could, I knew how the trick was done. Yeah, but I just showed you how the trip was done. Had you not known the podcast was even about AI, there's no... I know, I know Rich, I've been to his house, he's a friend. I didn't know it was AI. Um, I mean, clearly you will now, all of you, I suppose. Um, but this is the intro. They made no... They didn't allude to the fact it was AI at all until like a few minutes in. They said, by the way, that's not us, this is us. And you think, oh, thank goodness me, because I thought you were in a really bad mood. So they've got... They haven't got the intonation quite right, but it's a minute away. Because what they have got right is like... It's like they've got Mount Everest right, and we're going, mm. yeah, but that flake of snow. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, they'll sort the flake of snow out. Which is interesting, actually, because flake of snow is probably more sophisticated than Mount Everest. But anyway... 
You know what I mean? Welcome to the Roll On edition of the Rich Roll podcast. Today, we're excited to introduce a brand new version of Roll On, where we'll be bringing you multiple produced segments featuring interviews with experts on various topics. And for this episode, we're diving into the world of artificial intelligence. We've got a lot of ground to cover, including a fascinating discussion with New York Times journalist Kevin. So Roos. that's not rich. That's it. That's AI. Mm. Uh, now, obviously, it sounds a bit flat. Uh, if you know Rich's intonation, it's not like that. But honestly, I was in the gym listening to this yesterday. I thought, oh, Rich's having a bit of an off day. Maybe they should record it on another day. But that's that's all I thought. I didn't think that's not him. I didn't think that. Yeah. International listeners, uh, Darren in Berlin, listening to you from Berlin, where I'm currently on a work trip. I've got two meetings this morning, and then I'm free to explore till I fly home on Thursday. I haven't been to Berlin. I want to go to Berlin. Mm. Berlin is fabulous. Been anywhere, beginning with a B. Interesting recently, Vassos. <laughs> oh, Barnes? Bournemouth and Barnes. Bournemouth and Barnes. <laughs> Anybody else? Barcelona! <laughs> Rachel went to Barcelona at the weekend. Can't you tell? For one night only. Yeah, why did you go? We went to the Robbie Williams gig. Wendy and Barley are listening to you. See, it's not all great. Um, it I'm was listening amazing! To <laughs> I like Robbie. Robbie was incredible. Of he was. Like a proper rock star. Oh, he's not a rock star. Oh, he was he's like a, a rock star. No, he's a pop star. No, he's he was a... incredible. No, he may have been incredible, Rachel, but he's not a rock star. He's a brilliant pop star. He presented like a rock star. No, he didn't. Presented like a brilliant pop star. Okay. Um, a rock star. Let's go for rock star. Axel Rose, rock star. Put Axel Rose next to Rob Williams. Different planet. Bobby was a rock star for me. Okay, good. Uh, Wendy in Bali. I'm listening to you from Bali, where it's lovely and warm, so I've just got a fresh coconut, and I'm looking forward to enjoying the show whilst devouring it. <laughs> oh, come yeah. on. So, St. Lucia, Maldives, yeah. Berlin, Bali. Barnes, Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> love is a fresh coconut while listening to the show. Mm. You just got a fresh coffee. For you, Your coffee's our coconut. Our coconut is your coffee. Sorry, other way around. Shane from Dartford in Lithuania. This morning. Hello, Lithuania. <laughs> Anybody listening in Britain? Just out of interest. Also begins with B. Uh, in Lithuania, uh, we have blue cheese chocolates. They're amazing. Blue cheese yeah, chocolates? Well, I suppose cheesecake is halfway, isn't it? I suppose. We must. There must be more cheesy chocolates. Yeah, like this, this is because Morrison's have come up with a cheese Easter egg. And it looks like a white chocolate Easter egg, but it's cheese. It's genius, is what it is. They should call it genius. Is it the same size Genius. as a sort of standard Easter egg? By the way, if you egg? run a plant-based cheese company, call it Genius. Mm. Don't you think so? Yeah. That's great. Sorry, what did you say? This cheese Easter egg, is it the same size as like your standard Easter egg? It's not an Easter egg, is it? It's a cheese egg. Cheese egg. What's wrong with you, Morrison? <laughs> we're, we're doing all the work for you in between other stuff we're talking about. We must. This is your job. Cheese egg. Genius. What's wrong with you? <laughs> See, this, this stuff is cheesy. It's easy. No, it's not. It's cheesy. Sorry, what else? We must patent the chocolate cheese. Why? Because, because Why? we'll become... We'll, we'll buy already, Subway. You're, you're, you're the heir we'll to an absolute massive shipping fortune. <laughs> I, I love the fact you keep saying this. It's true. I mean, if you keep saying it enough, hopefully it will become true. Rachel's got the... Manifest. Task, Rachel's yeah. got the Taskmaster Millions. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Yeah? When we were all met, when us three met, when this triangulation of wonder, this broadcasting wonder met, by the way, you, listeners, you don't know how lucky you are. When, when we all met, I could buy, buy and sell you two all day. It's the other way around now, isn't it? Nobody, <laughs> was that, I didn't realise. It's like succession, but nobody told me. <laughs> and I haven't got Shiv's wardrobe. <laughs> but it's only a question of time. I'm sure you could have it delivered before you get home this morning. <laughs> so, you went to Barcelona. I went to Barcelona for about right. 30 hours. So, tell us the ruse 
the ruse. So um, Mark, who is the amazing saxophonist in the horn section, is also the saxophonist for Robbie Williams. And he was performing at Robbie's gig in Barcelona on Saturday night. And so Alex and I went along to hang out with Mark and his wife Esther and just appreciate the glory of Barcelona and the sunshine and an incredible performance by Robbie. All right, let's start with uh, what time do you land there? So we uh, we were on a 9am flight. Saturday so morning. Saturday morning. Nice. Yeah, perfect timing. Strong. So left the house at half six. So a little sleep in for me. Got to the airport. Nice breakfast. All very relaxed. Got on the flight. Good flight. Got to the hotel just in time to join Mark and Esther and the rest of the band for lunch on the rooftop terrace in the sunshine. How close were you to Las Ramblas? Uh, so we walked to Las Ramblas in about 10 minutes. Yeah, OK. So And did you go down to the port? Yes, we also walked around the port. Did you have lunch? Did you have a glass of wine at the port? We, we had a glass of wine on the rooftop terrace at nice. lunch when we got and there. And then went for a walk. Then we went for a walk. Then we went for a nap. Very clever. Disco nap. A disco nap. Uh, then we went for amazing tapas dinner. Then we went to the stadium and watched the gig, which was just incredible. Um, and uh, and then we had some more drinks. I stayed up until 2am. Well, you can. I mean, when, you know, when in Barcelona and all yeah. that, it just... It it's just, the vibe. It's, it is the vibe. It's the. It's, of course it's the vibe. It's exactly that. And it's a real thing. You know, say, so, oh, it's the vibe, man. No, no, because that re- that's really happens in the air. Yeah. You know, it's a different vibe. And you, as long as you tune into it, you know, or you're open to being tuned your, by it, then, uh, of course, I couldn't do dinner and then a gig. I couldn't do it. I mean, no, no, I could do tapas, it. So it wasn't too full yeah, on. Yeah, you know, it was bits, picky, picky bits. Picky bits, yeah. Picky that, bits. That'd be all right. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, Robbie completely, obviously rocked it. Now, look, he's not a rock star, but he can still rock it. Okay, so, so perhaps that's the vibe rock I was getting. DJ. For he example. was. It was just. It was so good. The dancers were incredible, yep. and just all of the songs. And he'd loads of the chat going on, loads of chat in between all the songs. Not too it much was, chat. No, it, there was a lot of chat, but we wanted the chat. It was all good chat. And then peppered with just all of his hits. Yeah. And some other people's hits. Did he wear his hits very lightly on his sleeve? What do you mean? Well, because he has so many, you yeah. know, and they come to him so easily, which is why all the chat happens in between, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did he did he knock him out or did he immerse himself in them? He immersed. Did he? Yeah, we okay. all immersed. And this was like in the open air stadium in Barcelona. It's where no, I there saw... was a roof on it. Oh, was there? It was the one of the Olympic stadiums. Right, because I went to see Springsteen in Barcelona. Similar sort of, it wasn't a 36 hour trip, but it's a 48 hour trip with Tash. And we went there on a scooter because it was the best way. You can hire a scooter. <laughs> Like no money and no insurance, and um, off you go, and no helmets, and off you go, and you get into the stadium really quickly, and you can leave really quickly. Uh, I presume you walk back home. Did you walk or go? No, we got a taxi back. How, how was that? How was the traffic? Uh, well, we didn't leave when everybody else left. We left later, so the traffic was fine. Oh, you did the old Spice Girls Wembley Stadium next day job? Uh, not quite, but close. <laughs> what time? <laughs> I think we left the stadium at like sort of midnight, and then we went. That makes sense to me. Because there'll be some people who left when it finished yeah. who would still be in the traffic jam at midnight. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We had a few more beverages and as then as left. As long as you got somewhere to hang, did yeah. you go backstage? Yes. Did you meet Robbie? No. Hmm. You can't have everything, can you? I had sufficient <laughs> Robbie exposure. Were you hoping to meet Robbie? Oh, but you're always hoping to meet Robbie. <laughs> Where, where, where's our t-shirt? No. Where's our t-shirts? Well, I didn't get any merch. Oh, clearly. Um, <laughs> what, what was on offer? I didn't even see the merch stand. You, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, Robbie needs to take a, a leaf out of Elton's book. Um, Elton John at the weekend. So he's in the paper loads at the weekend because, you know, he's in the middle of his farewell, the final leg of his farewell tour, uh, which is the European leg. It's not the British leg because his tour, his last ever date is in Sweden. Um, uh, his last UK date is Glastonbury. Oh, wow. 
Um, he's headlining, of course. It's not le the legend spot. He's headlining, isn't he? I think, or is it the legend spot? If you want to say it well. Anyway, the point is it's Glastonbury. And, um, you know, he's play, he played at Birmingham over the weekend. He's coming to the O2 here, and that's um, from this weekend. He was in court yesterday, wasn't he, mm -hmm. Elton John? Um, uh, he hasn't done anything wrong, by the way. Uh, he was in court for something else. Um, but his last tour, not this one, his last, and I don't know when his last tour was. It was recent because he basically lives on tour. Um, his last tour was the, the biggest grossing tour of all time. Music tour of all time. And there's only him. He's not got, you know, I mean, he has a band, but it's, it's not like Guns N' Roses or the Rolling Stones or, or you know, it's, it's basically Elton John, isn't it? I mean, he has his faithful musicians who I've met because when he played in our lovely tent, our lovely field, uh, was it last year or the year before? I, I was writing about this last night. It's the year before. Was it the year before? Yeah. I'm glad I didn't put that in. I took it out. I thought, I can't, I can't give this a date and a time because I can't remember when it was. Um, but it, he was, and the band have been with him forever, like Rod Stewart's band. We'll talk about Rod Stewart between 9 and 8.30. Because the Dine and Disco, the final ever, the last ever Dine and Disco auction is this Thursday. And we will never be doing another one. And it starts at 7.15 in the morning. But um, Elton's last tour was the biggest grossing tour of all time. Guess how much? Ten. I don't know how much tours gross. Ten million? Eight hundred and seventy. Million? Yes. So that's that nearly a billion. Pounds, that's pounds, that's, pounds, that's pounds, a billion dollars. Well, the, the After costs... No, that's turnover. Okay. So, so what is it with you? What do you want? <laughs> Details. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> anyway, um, she didn't even get us a. She's, this is all distraction, diversion from the fact she forgot to get us any Robbie merch. Mm. I don't think she went. I don't think she went. I think she. I think she's watched the whole of Succession. Deep fake Barcelona <laughs> trip. Yeah, I think sort of. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, yeah, because you'd remember the name of the cathedral. Of course, you would. You know, you which, really which stadium would. was it? A, 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 a stadium. A it had stadium. a little roof thing. Yeah. Stadium. <laughs> stadium. -y stadium. Las Ramblas. It's basically 10 minutes ten from minutes everywhere away. in Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any a drink? Well, we had not port. really. Oh, uh, it's on the sea, is it? Yes, we, we went to the port. Yeah. <laughs> had a Magnum down there. Um, what kind of Magnum? The um, double caramel one with like the biscuity bit. Oh, I thought you meant champagne. Not the ruby bit. <laughs> not the ruby, the velvet Magnum. No, pink velvet, no. Okay. Uh, no, so the reason the Elton John story is in the paper at the weekend was because they reckon this tour will be the first ever billion, I think a billion dollar or billion pound tour. It doesn't matter, does it? Give or take, 20% either way. Um, they reckon this will be the, the world's first ever billion dollar slosh pound tour. Wow. Good, eh? Um, today on Virgin Radio 80s Plus, in this week's My 80s Playlist, Steve Denyer, who is our coffee boy this morning because we're on a skeleton staff. Um, <laughs> By the way, everything's got to sound dodgy today, even more dodgy than usual, because otherwise um, the management will realise we can make the show with, like, no people, and then the people who are away today will never yeah. be invited back for various reasons. So if you can stuff up a clip okay, in the yeah, news. Yeah. We've been stuffing up stuff since, well, um, 2018. Um, in this week's My 80s Playlist, Steve Denny chats to Transvision Vamps, Wendy James gave her a lift in the back of my car once. Fox All Nova. Mm. Uh, Wendy tells the story of growing up in the melting pot of 1980s West London, being friends with Joe Strummer, appearing on Top of the Pops, and her plans for new music. Her picks range from The Go-Go's, Martha and the Muffins, The Violent Vamps, and of course, Transvision Vamp themselves. My 80s Playlist, Wendy James, every day from 4.30pm on Virgin Radio 80s Plus with Steve Denyer. Steve Denyer, he at Virgin Radio 80s Plus. He he of the early breakfast show and he of the coffee run this morning. Mm. We all owe Steve much, actually. Mm -hmm. Most of most of my career from here on in. Because he just filled us up with the um, with the coffee. Um, anything else you want to talk about right now? I am all good. No. 
Wrong answer. Hey, Chris, the team, you need a trip up north, my friend. We're on it. Louise in Ramsbottom. Okay. Forget cheese and chocolate. Forget happy cheese Forget the genius of Morrison's with their new cheese Easter egg. Okay, we're saying, does anybody do actual cheese and chocolate already? Well, the Cheshire Cheese Co. do the Hartington Creamery Chocolate and Chili Cheese Wedge. Oh. Okay, but Louise in Ramsbottom, yep. she will see that and she will raise you the Ramsbottom Chocolate and Cheese Festival. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, my on. word. Sorry, Morrison's. You're in the shade. And the sunlight is all Ramsbottoms. Ramsbottom Civic Hall and around the urn and church garden Sunday, 2nd of April. It's this weekend, 12 till 4. <laughs> the Chocolate and Cheese Festival. Fill your boots. Love it. Say cheese, everyone. Vassos wants us to revisit no. the thing that's no, going to no. get him sacked. No, no. I, I, Why do you want bit. us to do that? What was the bit? Why was the, what was the bit that we said before I did that? We all forgot because of what you said. Mm. Vassos and his son, is it? Matthew, yeah. Yeah. Have a competition to see who can sound the most scarce while ordering what? I'm not going to do it in a Scouse accent. No, please but it's don't. quite difficult to not to now. Um, chicken burger and chips and a can of Coke. Actually, and then we, we, we expanded the competition to encompass the rest of our family once. <laughs> and where does this competition come from? Where does, that, where does that phrase come from? Why is it that phrase? I don't know. It was Matthew's, Matthew's idea. He's, we just said, can you say this in a Scouse accent? And then you do, and it's quite fun. It's quite a fun accent to do. Maybe not on the radio because you'll offend people, but I, I, just in private. I'm not sure Scousers would be offended by it. Um, and then, I'm not sure they wouldn't either, but I'm and, not sure they would. And then, and then Caroline had a go, and she'd have been better off just using her normal accent. It was so poor, but it's just—it's quite fun. It's one of those, you See, know, accents that's quite. There fun was to... a very famous play called Our Day Out. Um, mm. Can't remember who it's written by. Um, uh, I think it was a Scouser who wrote it, and it was a play for today. This is a before your your lots time. Uh, Willie Russell wrote it. And the BBC do these things called Play for Today's and they used to put them on the telly and they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. And they were written by really famous playwrights and they just used to put them on the on the TV and everybody would look forward to, you know, like people look forward to now a new series of Blue Planet or, or thing, and things like that, you know, or Succession or whatever. Yeah. When there was a new series of Play for Today coming up, it was like, oh my... Because they were so fantastic. They were so raw. They were so gritty. They were so meaningful. Um, they were so profound. They were so brave. They were so real. Um, but they were still entertaining, you know. They were still really dramatic. Uh, and one of them was called Are They Out? And it was about a school group who um, who, who went on a, 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 a Sharabang trip, a coach trip. And um, and in it, there was this, <laughs> there was this great phrase. Uh, one of the kids says... Uh, Mrs. Abercrombie is down the Aussie because she's had a heart attack. Now, you want to do that in a Scouse accent. <laughs> Mrs. Abercrombie's gone down the Aussie because she's had a heart attack. <laughs> it's unbelievable. There and, was then, a... and then there was this exchange at the back of the bus because um, one of the kids had a Siggy but was hungry and wanted a Sani, and the other kid wanted a Siggy and had a spare Sani. So is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there's a there's a place where England played in the 2006 World Cup uh, in a town in Germany called Gelsenkirchen, but that sounds much better in a Scouse accent. Gelsenkirchen. So he went for it. He actually did go for it. <laughs> 
I thought it was all right. See, it's a I was I was name. born 14 miles from Liverpool, so I think I'm allowed. Because when I went yeah. to when I went to Manchester, people thought I was a scouser, and when I went to um, Liverpool, people thought I was a mank. So so I I've suffered. So, 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 so I think I can go there. Succession. Should we talk about succession? Yes. yes. <laughs> Stop it now. <laughs> Uh, Theresa Wimbledon says, I've also never seen The Crown and I tried Succession about a year ago and couldn't get into it. However, after many months of nagging from my husband, I started it again from Series 1 last night and three episodes in, I'm hooked. I wonder what changed. Well, interesting. Very interesting. Because I actually think, I can say this now, you know, Tash and I, we were underwhelmed with Series 3. And Tash reminded me last night, she said, you know, we didn't finish Series 3. We didn't finish Series 3. And so, thank goodness for the catch-up at the mm. beginning of um, episode one, series four. Basically, you know, if you haven't jumped on the succession bus, but you don't want to miss on the wa- miss out on the water cooler chat, you know, around now, it will fade two or three weeks in. Of course, it will. Might come back for the end. Might not. Depends how how uh, the rhythm of this series goes. You don't. You just watch the first episode of series four, and basically they recap on the whole thing that's happened. Right. Because you know they're only pivotal points. It's not. It's not rocket science, is it? Anyway. Um, International listeners, we're listening from Ch- uh, Torun in Poland. Been listening to you every day on our travels in our motorhome since the 6th of March. Sharon and Chris in Poland now. My hubby has competed in the World Masters Athletics in Germany. He achieved his season best and we're now on our way home to the UK. Congratulations. Um, happy Cheester, Cheesecake Easter eggs. Here we go. My good friends Lunny and Gemma run the world-class Somerset Cheesecakery in Ilminster and have had cheesecake-filled Easter eggs forever. They're awesome. This is Bryony and Lightwater. There's pickies. Oh. So that's so basically what oh, they've that's done. That's a shell of an egg. Yeah, they've taken halves of Easter eggs, oh, chocolate Easter eggs, word. and they fill them with cheesecake and cheese. So this is a thing. Morrison's have picked up on it. Well done to Morrison's. They got the first ever cheese eggs uh, this year. Josh in Chesterfield. There's a rumour that Subway actually pumped their smell out of their shops to attract customers in, as it's something that everyone recognises, which is why Rachel and her gang might have been able to sniff it out. I don't think it's a rumour. I think people have done it for ages. Um, I think there are some um, places in America where, if you're on, a, depending on which highway you're on, they they the the outlet buys a, a site 500 yards before that and pumps the smell out. So you smell it in your car, and then you see the sign, and then you pull in. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm. Wow. It's just taking the, you know, if you're selling your house, have the the the, the smell of freshly brewed coffee or baked bread. You know, that it's just taking that to the next level, thing, to the commercial is. level. Yeah. Murray in Buckinghamshire, the rays of AI is baffling me before a new plane is launched on the public. It is extensively tested before a new life-saving drug is launched. It needs years of trials and studies. Yet AI, a self-learning, life-changing technology, is tested on the general public, including children with no controls at all discussed. Loving the show. It's not, I get it, I completely I jump on board with you there. I mean, you could argue before a new life-saving drug is launched, it needs years of trials and studies. The vaccine wasn't. You know, and there's a big story about that yesterday, wasn't there? About under thirties uh, ladies, and um, and uh, issues that they they may suffer or uh, now be you know in more danger of, uh, more risk of than before taking the vaccine, and that was in all the papers yesterday. Um, so, but I know what you mean. I, it's but it's out there. I mean, how do you? I don't know. I don't know what you do with it. Ah, should we be frightened or not? Yeah, I'm not frightened anymore. Have <laughs> you ever been frightened? Yeah, I, 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 pre your mush, your guided mushroom trip <laughs> in Amsterdam. Yeah. you were frightened. You were most more or less frightened by everything after you opened your eyes in the morning. Mm-hmm. And since then, nothing. Like a superhero. Fine. Without the <laughs> shield or the, the suit, don't need it. It's just how we react to stuff. Yeah. So, so what is it? Um, what is it? It's not. 
It's not what happens. It's it's the story. There are facts and there are stories, mm. and the facts don't have any drama in them. It's our stories that provide the drama. And because we all have, you know, even the most nuanced difference to our individual stories about a thing, whether it's a football match or a relationship, I don't know, this coffee cup, the Robbie Williams T-shirts that Rachel didn't buy for us, things like that. Yeah. Whether Robbie's a rock star or a pop star, it doesn't matter, star, whatever. Um, it's it's uh, it's the stories that provide the drama, and the facts remain the same. Is yep. that right? Yeah, exactly that. Very Michael singer of you please don't tell him <laughs> yes, he'll sue no he'll be he'll be overwhelmingly disappointed my lovely friends if you are partial to one of our auctions we have our last ever dine and disco auction last ever or I'll give you all your money back myself, I promise. If we ever do another one of these, I'll, I'll find out. Everybody's email say, okay, I have all your money back. We are never doing another one. This is it. And the Frothy Coffee Man and I, from a dining disco point of view, are going out with a bang. And you can be there to witness it. You can be part of the big bang by the River Thames. June 17, Saturday, June 17, Rod Stewart playing the last ever dining disco in my garden all right there's going to be loads of shenanigans some people have um emailed us we have passed their emails on to the frothy coffee man we can do the same right now if you want to email us crystal evans at virginradio.co.uk we will pass those on to the frothy coffee man i have to tell you that because i have to tell you it's very important uh, that i tell you that for various um reasons of responsibility but we know him you know, we've worked together for 90 He's okay. Don't worry about that. He will then send you or make you part of the database for the auction on Thursday. If you want it that way around, or you can take your chance, uh, join the show. Um, we're going to do seal bids again. This is the only auction where we do a blind auction, seal bids, and it works. Uh, we've never done it online before, though, and our friends at Bidding are going to do it online because they have a, a, a completely fantastic um, seal bid uh, blind auction facility. And the other reason, um, well, first reason we're doing it with those guys is because it's more exciting, because uh, it's and it's it's more colourful and it lights up like a slot machine in a, an amusement arcade. The amusing bit is you're going to get a great time; it's a win-win, and we're going to make loads of money for UK children's charities. But also, it means that we can do this donate button, which means everybody can have a go at being there on the day. We were going to save a ten quid. I might make it twenty, just so we double whatever we make, because it's you know basically you're giving twenty quid to. Children in Need uh, and Rainbow Trust and Starlight and all the other young um, epilepsy and all the other amazing charities that we're involved with. That's what you're doing for a bit of fun. Um, so is it a tenner? Is it 20 quid? I don't know. We can make a, a voluntary donate. I think you can choose, can't you? It can be 10, 20, 50 or 100. That's what we'll do. We'll put all the choices on there and it's up to you. You you, you have a little, you know, have a little longing, uh, loving uh, stare at those options. And if you can afford 20 as opposed to 10, do. And you could find yourself at the last ever dining disco tickets go under the hammer the first 10 quarter past seven the second 10 quarter past eight and the final 15 quarter past nine because 15 people have paid up front for the buy it now price to be honest if you if you want to do that you can still do it you can still there are rules we can bend them there are no t's and c's <laughs> there are any there's just not any <laughs> um so it's all cool. Uh, that's going on. Um, Vassos will be there. Rachel's off on her Holly Bob's or seeing friends or something. So it's my, my friend uh, Nikki, who is one of my bridesmaids, lives yeah. in Australia now, but she is going to be in Holland for work. So and she's known this for about a year. So me and our other friend Oki are going to be going out to see her for the. And weekend. what Rachel's doing is waiting for me to say, "Oh, don't worry, you can bring them too." That's what she's. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'll definitely be there. And you live by the river. So if you want to join me in a little river swim, 
Me? Before or after Rod. You or anyone who You ain't who swimming bends. anywhere near there, mate. There's a massive weir. You're not swimming there, pal. Not even you and your big, strong arms. Okay. I will not allow you to do it. Okay, no swimming, everyone. No swimming. <laughs> I will you, stop Russell. you going in the river. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, the T's and C's will be knocking on our door. We don't want that to happen. Anyway, the point is this is going to happen. The last ever Dine and Disco going under the hammer. Those tickets are going under the hammer on Thursday on this show to see Rod Stewart. It's going to be the best ever. And it's all very, very exciting. Of course it is. Um, talking of the river, did you see the boat races on Sunday? Yes, because <laughs> our flight was massively delayed because of um, traffic controller strikes in France. We were trying to get through French airspace. So we sat on the tarmac at Barcelona for two and a half hours before we could take what, off. What, you mean you protested? No, in the plane. All right, okay. <laughs> and that, it meant that we could watch... playing your hand there. We sat on the tarmac. You sat... You, <laughs> we sat in, you... as in we were in the plane on the tarmac because it was one of those things where the pilot was like, well, our land, our takeoff slot was in four minutes. Yeah. Uh, we're going to miss that. We're not going to get there in time. So we're just looking for a new takeoff slot. That's in another hour and 45 minutes. Right. Oh! But then it meant that we could watch the boat race live on iPlayer on my phone. Did you watch both or just one? Just... Well, I then went to my phone, turned it on, and it was literally 30 seconds from the start of, of the so, um, and by the way, you, you're an old girl and your husband is an old boy of Cambridge. So obviously you had a dog in the race. You yes. had two dogs in both races. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, for anybody listening from Oxford, um, the, the Blues, the Cambridge Blues won. They vanquished Oxford in both races in very similar fashions, by the way. So what happened in both races is that um, Oxford went off quickly in the ladies race, but then were overtaken by very quickly by about half a boat length of by Cambridge and then Cambridge started to wander it's a very choppy day it was, a, it was like one of the choppiest days ever On the chop was right up on the River Thames and then the Cambridge boat because they thought they were so far ahead they decided to change station and go for the more aggressive line in the middle of the river uh, which they're allowed to do as long as they're a boat length ahead which they sort of weren't and then Oxford saw this and Oxford started to, to increase their rowing rate because if they could have hit the Cambridge boat, the Cambridge crew would have been disqualified. So it became a ramming, a ramming competition for about 20 seconds. And they just didn't quite get there. But had they touched the Cambridge boat, it would have been Cambridge's fault. Probably. Not, not definitively, but probably. That's what the commentators were saying. And exactly the same thing happened in the men's race. And I'm thinking, did Oxford really go for it? Because they could have increased their, their rate enough to hit that Cambridge boat? Or did they just back off thinking, we can't do that. That's just so unladylike and ungentlemanly-like. But those are the rules. Um, because if you, if you and if you going forward, if, they, if that is how it all could pan out, if you know that the other crew are stronger than you and Cambridge were odds-on uh, in the women's race and slight favourites in the men's race, um, but they were definitely f firm favourites, even though they were only slight favourites, um, you know, if you're actually go, well, let's just let's just wait, let's lull them over, seduce them over to change the station, go to the middle of the river, and then just whack them because they could have done it. I mean, they could, had they just risked everything, knowing that if this doesn't work, this push because the push is unbelievable, and to recover from that push is like almost impossible, regardless of how fit you are. So, and then you might, you know, is it better to lose by twenty honourably by twenty boat lengths or? Um, you know, by two and a half uh, or two and not go down in the history books as an Oxford boat race winner. Vassos. Uh, 
eldest daughter, Emily, yep. has a, a, a national medal. She's a national medalist in the National Rowing Championships. So she knows about all this stuff. And we were, we're Oxford fans in our house because Caroline was at Oxford. And by the time the boats got to us, that had all happened. So Cambridge were... Because Emily was saying that once you're ahead, being able to see the opposition and re respond to what they do is such a mess. Hardly anyone, it, pretty much no one will ever, you know, re-overtake up once you've got that boat. Once you can see the others, you can just, so the, the race is won then. And she said exactly the same thing. You know, people don't really get disqualified in boat races. So if you're going down, if you if you feel like, you know, you're losing it and you are doing a big effort at the start, so it, it would be... It would be all out, you know, and then you would. It would take a, a long time to recover. But if you feel like you're going down, the only thing to do because you're not going to get disqualified. They're not going to disqualify. No one's got disqualified really. Is to just absolutely go for it. Get the clash of oars. Get a bit of all that going on. Get some drama. Sorry about that. Um, oh, did you lose an oar? Never mind. See you next year when we'll Aww. be the defending champions. Yeah, yeah, Aww. yeah. It was really tactical, though. Like, I thought it was, it was really... I thought it was very exciting. Like, even with the with the men's race, when it was at Jasper Parish, their cocks basically veered off around Craven Cottage to go into, like, the quieter Cottage. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said at the end, they said, a cox can very easily lose the race, but it's very rare that a cox wins the race. And that was one occasion where the cox won the race for Cambridge. It was really exciting. I don't know why it was more exciting this year than ever before. But, uh, you know, Tash and I and the kids, we were all watching it, and we watched the ladies' race. Then we, did, we said, OK, meet back here in 15 minutes of the men's race we did and the men's race was even more exciting than the women's race and it, I thought it was great I loved it it's good fun watching it from the riverbank as well although you just you wait you wait you wait <laughs> there they go <laughs> bit well, of a flotilla after a them hang on a minute it's like war and peace compared to the Tour de France <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I was talking to Chris, who he was one of our bidders who spent the weekend at our retreat with us. Uh, running, by the way, the, the the fittest, probably the fittest person we've ever had uh, within that particular circle of winning bidders for the London Marathon. Also, he's fifty-one. You remember the guy? Yeah, fifty-one. No, I thought he was. I honestly, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, maybe forty. But I was like, you know, you're you're a young, you're a good young forty. You know, fifty-one. Was that the guy who'd run the marathon to Saab? Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah. And every time we went on this sort of half uh, marathon training run or trail run, which a lot of uh, what was interesting about it is that a lot of the people in the group had never run on a trail before. And they went, this is fantastic. Yeah. Where do they run? Just on the roads? Yeah, they just run like I did. For the first time I ever trained for a marathon, I didn't run on trails. I ran around a lake that had a path, you know, and then I ran on paths and roads. Didn't run on trails. But um, they were like, this is amazing. This is great. I mean, the trainers were shot to pieces. They'll all have to buy new ones. I forgot to tell them that bit. Um, um, but uh, but no, when we were running on the, the, the trail on Saturday morning, he would run ahead. And so if we were going up a hill, he'd sprint up the hill, come back down, tag us, up again, down again, up. Again, and he'd try and see how many times he could do it before we did it once. Was that yep. inspiring or annoying? Yes. It, was a, it was a bit of both, depending on which way the wind was blowing. <laughs> And there was plenty of wind as well. It was actually, we got the best of the weather, I have to, to say. How nice was yesterday? Oh, oh it was, yesterday it was, was a dream. It was, like a, it was like a trail, wasn't it, for summer 2022? Yes. Coming this summer. More <laughs> Sunshine. of Sunshine. Unfortunately, not this week and most of Easter, <laughs> but maybe maybe around June. It was gorgeous mm. yesterday. We were like, oh, this is what... Yeah. I mean, we love where we live anyway, but yesterday it's like, it was a thousand X. It was fantastic. Talking of where we live and the river, sticking with this for a second or two, um, do you remember a few months ago when I said they they've closed Marlow Bridge because they're making a 
film and they covered it in sawdust so it looked like it was 200 years old. Yeah. They closed the bridge and then Tom, what's his name? Um, Tom Hardy pitched up to jump off the river. Uh, oh, sorry, off the bridge into the river. Um, obviously, while lots of people were filming him in a role and the role was Great Expectations and it was broadcast on Sunday at nine o'clock on BBC One. The V's aren't great, but um, that scene was in episode one. And our house was on BBC One on Sunday night. Have um, you pressed pause and like zoomed in to see if any of you are in the window? Yes, we have. And? They CGI'd the facade of our house so it looked older than it is. Oh. And also, what's really interesting... No, I think it's fair enough. It's quite exciting, actually. Um, we've got a massive beech tree. Um, I think it's a beech tree. Or oak tree. Um, next to our house. And uh, they CGI'd another house over that. And next to... Um, the the big tree now is Marlow Rowing Club, which looks like a modern building. You know, it's a yeah. big modern kind of not warehousey kind. Of, you know what I mean? It's yeah. a, it's a very sort of um, good value for money, massive structure with a, with a with a pitched roof, but it's big. You know, it looks like a B and Q to be honest. Um, but now they cut, so they, apparently they can't change the shape of the buildings. But that was ye olde facade as well. Um, <laughs> And there are some modern flats opposite us. They were ye olde modern flats. Right. They CGI'd the whole thing. It was brilliant. I loved it. I was more thrilled than if, if it had just been our house. <laughs> uh, but also, so, sorry, between our house and the rowing club, they, they created another house. So that's maybe, maybe they looked back at some old photos and that house was actually there. It's very clever of them. Slightly disappointing that you weren't, you know, oh, in the no, background. I'm really, I'm really clever. Hello. I'm Hi. Done with, I'm done with telly. You, know, you read The Mirror a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I can't announce I'm giving up telly then appear on BBC One's Great Expectations, <laughs> waving in the window. Fair enough. With my Top Gear T-shirt on. <laughs> Can I? Goodbye, everyone.